This is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis from Providence Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Paul, Garrett, and Bruce provide their clients and prospects the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Paul Cochran here with my friend and colleague, Garrett Crawford. How are you doing, Garrett? Hey, so far so good today. Providence Advisors Group. We're an independent registered investment advisory firm here at Pellissippi and Westland here in West Knoxville. Uh, if, you, if you'd like more information about anything you hear on our show today, just give us a call, 865-770-5031. Or you can visit our website, um, ProvidenceAdvisors.com. We also have a, a way to get there, MakingFinancesEasier.com. That's our show, uh, the name of our show here this morning. So, Garrett, what did Halloween look like in your house growing up? Uh, probably quite a bit different than all the uh, Knoxville listeners. Uh, I lived in a very rural uh, town. Uh, in northern middle Tennessee, very agriculture-based. And I uh, tell the story, seems like every year, but my Halloween experience, uh, you know, I guess it was good, but I wouldn't put it under fun. <laughs> uh, we would, uh, uh, we'd hop in my parents' car, we'd drive out of our driveway, and we'd go drive a few minutes until we came to our next neighbor down the road, <laughs> who we honestly, you know, we didn't really interact with that much. I uh, didn't really ever see him, but uh, where I grew up, I think the town population today is a little over 300 people. But you'd have to get in your car and you'd have to drive from house to house. And, you know, there might be one light on somewhere in their acres that they own. And you'd drive <laughs> up to the mysterious house. And uh, usually they'd be people from church or something that, that we kind of knew. Yeah. And uh, we'd walk into their house. And it wasn't like just giving me candy at that point. In time, it's like, come on in, hang out for a while. And so you'd come in the front door and they'd give you a piece of candy and mom and dad would catch up with the homeowner, kind of their once a year visit. And then we'd load back up in the car 10 minutes later and uh, drive to the next house that we didn't really visit that often. And um, so you can imagine we did not load up on the candy uh, like maybe my kids do now when they walk around our neighborhood and mm -hmm. come back with $40, $50 worth of candy. <laughs> but I, I say all that, you know, it was great. It was, uh, I, I'm glad that I did it. But uh, we we outgrew Halloween a lot faster in the rural areas than I think kids do in the city. I mean, by, by probably nine or 10, it's like, mom, you don't have to do this anymore. We're good. Yeah. What about you, Paul? In well, Oak Ridge. Yeah, in Oak Ridge. Um, I grew up on the east end of Oak Ridge, and it is pretty hilly. We were on Outer Drive, which was, uh, as it sounds like, it's a, a road that goes around the outer edge of, of Oak Ridge, and lots of hills, and we would just get, uh, each of us would dress up um, in, you know, whatever we could piece together, and we would get a pillowcase, and we'd try to fill that pillowcase with candy just going all over. And, of course, back then, um, it was more common to have a house available with candy than, than not. Now, uh, you know, the, you can pass a lot of houses that just aren't going to even have lights on. You yeah. know, they just don't, don't participate. 
seemed like back then it was it was a lot more common and we were able to run around it was basically a competition to see who could get the most candy yeah do you remember a couple of your favorite pieces of candy from back then you know uh, my favorite ones then are, are still some of my favorite ones now but the the candy bars you know the little snickers or a milky way uh or a Three Musketeers, uh, any one of those three were always, uh, you know, great to get. And um, there, uh, I had other candies at the time, but that was back in the day when pe- you'd still get apples and oranges, and it was before they started putting razor blades in those things <laughs> that, that made it more uh, yeah. problematic. But um, but it was it was a lot of fun. So what are we going to talk about today, Garrett? Yeah, I think in the uh, in the spirit of Halloween, uh, we were talking earlier. Being frightened. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the title of today's show is themed. I'm not sure the content will be, but the, the title is Frightful Financial Mistakes. Yeah. Uh, so scary things that, uh, you know, as we interact with clients, things that they worry about, things that maybe they're doing that can uh, take them off track. And so I just thought, you know, we could kind of go back and forth here for a little while on, uh, you know, we we have an article here, the top 10 most common financial mistakes. Maybe we can start off with that with Investopedia. And actually, there's uh, another article in Investopedia. um, It it says the 11 worst retirement mistakes and how to sidestep them. So between those two articles, plus some other things that we see and observe, I think we can give some kind of meaningful uh, kind of input. I wish we were really good with Halloween music. Maybe we could mix some of that in the background, some Monster Mash while uh, we did it. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, let's let's hit some of them, Paul. What do you think? Well, you know, w- one of the things, it's kind of a, one of those duh questions, but particularly if you're, let's say you're in your 30s and 40s. Let's start with somebody that's kind of getting started in their career. Uh, I know my career, really, since Sandy and I were, uh, we were in Christian ministry overseas, so I didn't actually start my career until I was 33. And so for a lot of those people, there is no uh, other way around it. Uh, In most things in life, if you're going to be really good at them, unless you have a a truckload of money just dumped in your lap through inheritance or something like that, most people are going to have to stick by some sort of a of a budget, uh, and I know budget's a dirty word for a lot of people, but at the end of the day, um, most things in life, whether it's like uh, I'm a cyclist and and I'm, I'm I'm trying to you know always improve there and and uh, or maybe it's a golf or whatever, you're going to have to say no to certain things, and you're going to going to have to get pretty, you know, comfortable and used to saying no. I guess uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable with saying mm-hmm. no. Uh, weight loss is another great example. I don't know any anybody that, that uh, for the most part, there are some people who have just a metabolism. They can just eat whatever and they're skinny as a rail. But most people, if they're going to kind of be their, their, you know, best most healthy weight, they're going to have to say no to some things. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, perhaps that's shown no place more profoundly than as we prepare for retirement. And so so that whole idea behind 
Um, I need to spend less than I make. I need to, to, you know, obviously save some money. And it's just like the federal government. You can't, you can't continue to spend more than you bring in. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, from the retiree's perspective, that has to, you have to kind of evolve that thought to the next step where you're not making anything anymore. Uh, So you technically are spending uh, more than you're making because for people that are retired, they've got nothing coming in. And, uh, but that still doesn't preclude having a budget. And so instead of what you're making, we saved, uh, you can't spend more than you saved. And so you have to kind of have a realistic perspective of, I've saved X amount of dollars, uh, 500,000, a million. Uh, what type of lifestyle will what I save actually sustain into the future? And sometimes that's even a tough question. Uh, you know, not sometimes, a lot of times that's a tough question for people to answer because the, the stakes are higher than when you're still earning where you feel like you still have time to increase that amount. Yeah. And th- there, are, there are kind of extremes out there that you know we uh, i i like to as much as possible keep a balance in things but i know even like dave ramsey one of his phrases goes something like you know live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later mm-hmm. uh, something to that effect and his point is if you you know say no now and try to rein in your spending now you're going to have uh, plenty of money left to do what you want to later and so not that you know i don't i don't look at uh financial independence i know some people their whole life is based on whether or not they have financial independence uh in terms of their success and i don't define success that way but what we're talking about here and it sounds simple but excessive spending can definitely creep up on you And have you noticed how with a lot of our clients, if they form the habit of reining in their spending, we have to really encourage them to spend money once they retired. On the other hand, the people that have not reined in their spending and they retire, we've got to have them pump the brakes as they realize you're not going to be able to spend that way. Yeah, and you, I think, also depend on market performance a whole lot more to sustain that lifestyle and there's a lot more well we hope this is going to work out and i think a lot of people uh don't want to live close to that edge and i think you know another thing i saw on this list too was uh it says buying a new car i think that's kind of a very extreme you know i think there's really good reasons why somebody should buy a new car uh we had a widow here a few months ago paul and i remember you saying you need to take some of this money and you need to go buy a new car and you know she was in a tight situation but she was by herself driving an old beat up uh you know barely running car and you know it'd be nice if there were a lot more funds available to you know that wouldn't be a pain point but still she needed a reliable car that she's not in her 80s or late 70s i forget and get stuck on the side of the road. So she, she needed that. But uh, they do talk about like in retirement budgets and spending, getting those big rocks right. If you get the big expense items correct in your budget and what you can actually afford, everything else becomes easier. And so um, we could talk about retirees or maybe, you know, maybe in my generation a little bit more, maybe you have kids. Uh, and they're trying to buy a house right now. That's a no fun situation. And, you know, houses are, you know, anywhere from $300,000 to $500,000 for, you know, maybe a, 
you know, 2,500 square foot home. And, uh, you know, if somebody reaches too far on their mortgage payment because they feel like they, they need that type of lifestyle, it makes all the little things a lot harder. And so it's almost like I can't go to Starbucks and get a coffee because I've got a $600,000 house with a 6% interest rate that I can't afford. And so, uh, usually for a lot of people and let's flip back towards retirees a little bit, you know, their biggest health or biggest expenses are going to be, um, you know, car payments will be in there. <laughs> uh, you get retired and you buy a nice car. So usually that's pretty big. A lot of people are fortunate to have paid off their home, but there are so, a lot of people that when they retire, they move somewhere else, they build a home. And that can be a large uh, budget item that you just have to make sure you aren't buying more than you can actually afford. Because if you miss on the big rocks of your budget, you have a lot more stress that comes with all the little daily purchases and flat tires, whether, um, where if you kind of rein some of those bigger items in, you can live with more freedom and not worry as much. And it, it, it really it just, it's not worth the loss of sleep and the anxiety and just the pain that, that, that those kind of temporary pleasures uh, can cause. And I'll say too, uh, again, we have stories all over the place, but we just had a client move uh, out west and she uh, she is single has saved a lot probably more frugal by nature and uh, she has more money saved than she'll ever spend in her entire life and she was nervous about the move out west <laughs> and you know finding a house that fit her budget yeah and she had her home paid off here in the east coast and you know that was probably enough to buy her a really nice house right. out west and uh, she just wanted to call and talk about what she could afford. And I gave her the number of what she could afford. And she was like, uh, <laughs> I will never get a house. That so, um, and, then, and that's really, I think she was able to save a lot because yeah. she got a big rock in her budget, correct, right, where she right. bought a house that she could afford. Exactly. Um, but, you know, those, those are fun, too. Sometimes a little excessive spend. I told her to buy the house that she wanted in the location that she wanted with all the bells and whistles that she wanted because she was not going to have a bit of problem affording it. Right. You know, another thing that's happened, particularly in the last 10 years, have been all these subscription models that have surfaced, whether it's streaming television, uh, various uh, apps or computer programs, everything has gone to a subscription model. And uh, there are even apps that can help track those and help you know make sure you're not paying for things that you, you, you don't, you're not even aware of. In fact, a lot of people, uh, one of the best things about losing a credit card is they realize, wow, I had a lot of things on that credit card that <laughs> yeah. they're now asking me about that I could stop. And so um, you want to be careful about those ongoing uh, ongoing payments. And so a good rule of thumb is um, that, that I like to stick with is really uh, minimizing debt, at, you know, at all costs. So uh, for me, um, the, the, my mortgage was really my only debt, you know, for a long time until, of course, we paid our house off several years ago. But... Um, Whatever you can do to uh, minimize any debt and, you know, one of the mistakes, and and I know this seems counterintuitive, but one of the mistakes, too, that's not mentioned in the article that I see people make is they're not generous. 
they're not generous. Well, how could generous be helping? I, I'm, I'm telling you, it is, um, it, it, I know it's counterintuitive, but when we grasp things real tightly um, and we kind of white knuckle um, and maybe our savings or whatever, it, it, it uh, can have a reverse effect. If we're open-handed and can give something away, um, not only is it helping other people, and it's, it's really good for us too, um, but it, it's amazing how uh, it can really, in a strange way, kind of help multiply our funds. So I, I like to encourage people to be generous yeah. in the community. Well, I was thinking uh, maybe, maybe we could hop to another category that I thought was interesting, and this is for people, you know, really, if you're still in the working career and uh, you're getting close to retirement, but... Uh, another mistake is not saving now. Mm, uh, mm, and mm. so making sure that you are taking advantage of compound interest when you can, when you're, you know, I'm 36, if you're in your 20s and 30s, boy, mm. uh, you know, it's one of the greatest uh, conundrums of life is that the greatest power you have to save money for the future, it comes at a time when you really don't have a lot of it to spare. But uh, for people listening, you know, I think you can fall into a trap because we, we talk to clients about this where uh, they get close to retirement and it can sometimes feel like I'm running out of time. And so mm-hmm. should I still contribute the max to my employer 401k if the market could go down or back up? Uh, you know, it, it can sometimes just feel like, should I keep doing this or should I pay off debt? It just kind of becomes trickier. Um, but one of the things I wanted to highlight, because I see this a lot in our Money Guide financial planning software, is the impact of the employer match. Mm. And so a lot of times people know they're contributing 5% or 6% of their salary mm-hmm. into a 401k. And let's say, just to keep a, a salary, maybe it's a household number for you, maybe it's an individual number for you, but let's say somebody has $100,000 in compensation and they get a 6% match. Mm-hmm. Well, they're putting in $6,000 of their own money, and then they're also getting a 100% match of that 6%. Mm-hmm. Uh or maybe it's three and three, but anyway, an employer can sometimes throw in an extra $6,000 a year. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think that makes a big difference. Absolutely, I'll throw that in there in money guide sometimes. And some of our clients have big salaries and, you know, they're maxing out their 401k plus the employers throwing in another 6% of their compensation. And when you put those two numbers together, uh, 10 years left of working can make a huge huge difference Mm, and so i you know a couple things here one uh i think you could see a small amount come out of your monthly paycheck for the employer match and not think it's making a huge difference but i promise you over time it does especially over an entire career uh but then the second one i'd say there's probably a lot of people out there today listening that don't work for an employer they're actually an employee they run their own business a business owner and uh, maybe you've built a successful business and you have multiple employees or maybe you don't have any employees and maybe you've opened up an ira or don't know all your options and you're contributing to a a traditional ira for you and your spouse uh business owners make the mistake of not taking the extra effort to explore their special 
retirement savings vehicles like a SEP IRA, a solo 401k, sometimes called an individual 401k, simple IRAs, but based on how many employees you have, does it make sense to do a 401, like a traditional 401k? Maybe it doesn't. Uh, I encourage those people, if you've built a successful business, you know, and that's, that's actually one thing we do, I guess a little commercial, uh, is that we help business owners figure out how to well, you know, save tax, provide employee benefits, increase retention, but also make sure that you're saving for your own uh, personal retirement that, you know, could be a decade away and you're making more money than you ever have and want to just be a wise steward of it. Yeah. You know, if along with that line of thinking, if you're, you know, just kind of blindly or just uh, without knowing what else to do, you're just uh, saying, well, I'm just going to put as much as I can into my 401k without being aware of of how much more you're putting in there than the match uh, is is even helping you. That that at one level, that's a great thing that you're saving. You're definitely saving. So that's a good a, a good problem. But where that could be tweaked a little bit is we definitely want to put in enough to get whatever match is available. But then after that, there could be some other secondary and tertiary places to save. It might be in a, a, a Roth that's outside of the 401k. It could be just a, a cash savings amount. It could be any number of things that some people load down their 401k, but they really don't have enough cash on hand to be able to pay for the heating and air if it goes out and that type of thing. So here's another one, and and that is that that a lot of people want to uh, leverage debt the wrong way, and uh, and so some people will jump into their 401k and borrow from their 401k because they feel like they, you know, they have to. Well, again, saying no and coming to that conclusion that goes something like this: If I uh, can't pay for it then I shouldn't buy it. In other words, if I have to go into debt to buy it, I probably shouldn't buy it. And and having that hard line is it well, well gosh, the kids, the, you know, the kids this is coming up, the kids that is coming up or whatever. You know what the kids need is their mom and dad. They need them more than anything else. That's how they spell love is T I M E. And so don't buying them things isn't going to isn't going to cut it. So um those are a few things. I know we hit on a couple highlights. There, there you know, there are several others that um, you know that we could uh, dial in, but we're about out of time today. Any any closing thoughts? Uh, I I hope everybody has a great Halloween. It's uh, for me, it's like kickoff of the holiday season, so a great time of year, and uh, I love it. That's right. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Making Finances Easier. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, or Bruce Landis at Providence Wealth Management. Call 865-770-5031 or visit them online at makingfinanceseasier.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Providence Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Tennessee. Insurance products and services are offered through Providence Advisors Group, LLC. Providence Advisors Group, LLC, and Providence Wealth Management, LLC, are affiliated companies. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. 
All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. We are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration, the Federal Medicare Program, or any other government agency. Calling this number will direct you to a licensed sales agent.